Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Right, listen up. You are about to hear a recording of the last live episode of Films to be Buried with. Recorded it with the amazing Tom Allen. Thank you, Tom, for doing it. He was amazing. The crowd were amazing. It was at Islington Town Hall. Everyone showed up. Everyone was up for it. Oh, it was good. Do you remember live shows? Oh, oh, I miss a live show. But I tell you what, one day we'll all be back together and we'll do another one. But in the meantime, you get to hear this one. And also, I have to tell you, there have been some edits. Sure, why not? If you were there, you'll know why. Some things have to remain in a circle of trust, but most of it's here, and as a special treat, I have included all of the Patreon section, so you get to hear what that's like. If you ever want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. You'll get extra guest questions, you get a secret, and these days, most of the time, you get a video for the whole episode. What else do you need to know? I hope everyone is well and safe. hope everyone is happy, and, uh, oh yeah. Look out for my fake reality TV show. It's called Lone Island. You can see it on Instagram TV and other places. And then look out for next week's episode because my guest is going to blow your effing minds. You will not believe it. I didn't. You won't. No one will. It'll be like, it can't. You'll be, you'll be like, I can't. how did this happen? And I'll be like, oh, no. Anyway, that's it for now. This is the live episode. I'll get out of your way. And I very much hope you enjoy Episode 98 of Films to be Buried with. Look out! It's only Films to be Buried with! Hello, my name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an oven glove, and I love films. As Victor Hugo once said, there is one thing stronger than all the armies in the world, and that is an idea whose time has come. And that's why the timing is perfect, and I am thoroughly looking forward to Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> wow, I can't believe the guy who wrote Les Miserables is so into Avatar. I keep forgetting it existed. Well, maybe there is an audience for it after all. Hmm. James Cameron and his niche stuff. <laughs> that went better than I expected. Uh, <laughs> Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Ricky Gervais, January Jones, Will Poulter, and even Ed Gamble. I don't know, man, I'm connected. Um, This week's episode comes live from the Islington Town Hall with this audience... 
And tonight, my special guest is an award-winning comedian, a writer, a podcaster, an actor, a countdown contributor, and the star of The Apprentice, You're Fired, and Bake Off, You're Fired, and The Last Leg, You're Fired. (laughs) He's one of my favourite people and comedians, and he's so in demand these days, the only way I can get to hang out with him was hiring for him for this gig. Please welcome to the stage the tremendous, the beautiful, the gorgeous, the national treasure that is Mr. Tom Allen! How kind. Thank you for that very warm introduction. Oh, it was hot. I'm wearing a roll neck tonight, which I feel embarrassed about. I very much like it. You look like a comedian who's being forced to apologise on news night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Let me read back some of your tweets, Tom. Do you remember what I said? <laughs> uh, no, I um, I didn't, what, yeah, rustle some paper. Why don't you? Thank you. I um, yeah, I thought I'd go for the sort of auteur look. I thought I looked like a yes. film auteur. You look like a French director. Like a French director. Yes. yes. I'm a bit worried. I don't know enough about films. That's absolutely. I don't, I don't know anything about films. I'm not because I listened to the one with Nish the other day. Yeah. So serious. Oh come oh, on, Nish. Nish. Watch a musical once in a while. <laughs> We get it. You know about films. We get it. You like miserable stuff. That's why I brought you on, Tom, because I wanted, wow. you know, and an, uh, lovable dope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, and I've got my new shoes on, which I don't know if I'm sure about or not, but they're, um, they're vegan shoes. Shut up. Yeah. And um, guess what? I'm not vegan. <laughs> I know, but I seem like the type. And um, no, I just want people to think well of me. Yeah. So I wear them, and then sometimes I say I'm vegan. Sometimes I'll have the vegan option at lunch. Just to fuck with people. You know you can have it if you eat meat. They can't get Shut you for it. Shut up. Anybody can have the vegan option. Sometimes it looks like absolute shit. <laughs> but I have it, and it's actually quite nice. And then you think, well, I'm, you know, I'm not being a terrible person all the time. And I've got my vegan shoes on. And they are made of leaves. I don't uh, know. Yeah, they're plant-based, I guess. I get again. They're absolutely lovely. I got them in Marks and Spencers. Did you? Yeah, we have to appreciate Marks and Spencers because I think it's not going to be here for much longer. So, welcome to this special edition of Shoes to be Buried with. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've invited Tom. He doesn't know nothing about films, so tonight's going to be very shoe based. (laughs) So, another pair of shoes I bought. Um, No, Marks and Spencers we have to enjoy. Well, I'm just worried about it. We have to support it, because I'm worried about it. Where, why, It'll where be like, do, you remember, do you remember after the financial crash in 2008? Yes. And they'd be like, you'd wake up every morning, there'd be another shop gone. It was like the Blitz. <laughs> They've gone, oh no. Um, I'm worried Marks and Spencers might be a... Uh, might, might be next. I don't, I don't think the food will go, but I'm worried the clothes will go. What do you know? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know everything. But sometimes when I walk around Peruno... I am the only Una there. Bloody hell. I'm worried. Just saying. Uh, Tom, do you want to be in films? Of course. Okay. Um, but it's a lot of sitting around, I think, isn't it, films? Yeah. And actors. What's the big deal? Why do yeah. they make such a big fuss about themselves all the time? Yeah. What do they do? They walk up these red carpets, hmm. remember a few lines, somebody does their hair, they've got hair. And they go and have tea. What's yeah. the big deal? The they get all these awards for it. I agree. But I would 
do it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. I would kill everybody to get to one part in a film. You started off in the National Youth Theatre. Well... Is that true? That's right, I did. And... (laughs) This should be, like, inside the actor's studio. And you started in the National Youth Theatre. Clap, 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 clap. Guilty. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> yeah, which is just around the corner on Holloway Road. Or oh, they were, I think they're still there. And, um, oh, they've I, gone the way of the Marks and Spencers. <laughs> I think they're still there. But there was a nice Marks and Spencers, actually, on Holloway oh, Road. Oh, yeah. Very nice. What were the shoes like? Um, minimal, because they were mainly food. Oh, sorry, we, had a, a we food, had a heckle. A heckle already. But it was, a, it was informational. It's gone. Marks and Spencers gone on Holloway Road. Was that part of the cull they had last year? Oh, people going, people going, doing the, like, decapitation symbol. It's gone. It's gone. Don't talk about it. It's gone. So what, like, what's there now? Like a... Nothing. 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 A vortex. A black hole. That is a very Holloway Road response, if you don't mind my saying. <laughs> what you got there now? Nothing. We used to have a Marks and Spencers here. Oh, it's gone right downhill. <laughs> but I did used to live around the corner. Yeah. From here in Kentish Town. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about my life. We're talking about some films or whatever. But I was involved with the National Youth Theatre. And I think, and I've said it before, but I think I grew up thinking I wanted to be an actor. And then it turned out I was just gay. <laughs> it happens. It happens. It happens to a lot of people. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Uh, it, I did re- Oh, Tom. What? Oh, no. Another one. I've forgotten to tell you something. What? Oh, no. What? What an absolute idiot. What, oh, Brett? Fuck, I'm... Oh, nuts. Oh, I feel like a plum. I feel like an absolute plum. We've been hanging out. I should have told you. I should have told you. What? Fuck. Oh, boy. Well, oh, I'll just say it. You seem... You seem... You're strong inside. Um, you've died. You've died. Oh, no. Uh... <laughs> And that was the skills he learned at the National Youth Theatre. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. We rehearsed that for hours. <laughs> That's what you get for the uh, Actors Studio. <laughs> Actors Studio, is that what it's called? What? The Actors Studio. Yes. The programme. Inside the. Inside the Actors Studio. Correct. Mm. Uh, what, how did you die? Funny story. The Good. thing is, anybody who knows me knows I love a chat. And what has happened a little bit recently, and I'm, I say this with no degree of modesty, because it's not a modest thing to say, um, <laughs> but sometimes people will recognise me. And um, the, the sort of accepted notion is when somebody recognises you, you say, oh, hello, nice to meet you. Well, and then you sort of, dis- you kind of dismiss them. But what people don't realise is that I have a desperate, profound longing to be liked and to talk to people. And so people will sometimes come and say hello and then I'll keep them talking for <laughs> so long that they'll then have to make an excuse <laughs> to leave. And they'll be like, well, and anyway, uh, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I've got to, I'll be like, and then when I was eight, we went on holiday to Spain and they'll be like, um, I'm so sorry, I've got to actually go and bring up my children. And... <laughs> And, and you see you their, their, their face like glazes over, and um, they really regret it. And they go like, "Oh, he is literally like that." And um, and I think probably what will happen is I'll be in a shop. I imagine in my mind somewhere like Oliver Bonus. Is there one in Holloway Road? 
No, but nah. they're on Upper Street, I reckon. There's you what? Crouch End. Thank oh, you. Great animosity there between the Holloway Roaders We're and the We're playing Shop end. Bingo tonight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about the films in a minute. Crouch End, Crouch End, <laughs> The Valley. <laughs> and um, Crouch End and a lot of, lot of the stars live in Crouch End did you know that? I did mm, yeah no, you know that. Like see him everywhere anyway I'll be in an Oliver Bonus and the lady behind the till because Oliver Bonus what does it sell? it sells throws and it sells clothes make up your fucking mind and you can buy like a, one of those trees to hang your necklaces on mm. who's got that many necklaces they have to put them on a tree? and it's always like a little bit of set plaster with stripes of brass in it mm. No one's doing that anymore. Not to um, steer this back somewhere. But... But... <laughs> Did you die in Oliver Bonus? I'll be in Oliver Bonus. I'll have missed a train because I'm late for everything. Okay. Yeah. And the lady behind the counter, I think, will recognise me. And um, we'll start talking and then she won't realise how long I can talk for. <laughs> I'll be there for so long, she'll end up taking one of her scented candles and stoving my head in. Wow. That's how I think I'll go. Wow. And I don't mind it one bit. Died as he lived. Being he died as he t- lived, being bashed in the head with a scented candle. <laughs> yeah, with a scented candle. Oh. I hope it's something like patchouli. Mm. Lovely. You'll, you'll, you'll have a very nice smelling corpse. So yeah, lovely way thank to you. Go. For, bless you for that. And, people, and then the, the Sun headline, I flatter myself, will read... <laughs> He snuffed it. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Yeah. Do you worry about death at all? Constantly. Um, yeah, I do actually. I do think about death quite a lot. Yeah. And um, I don't know how it'll be, what it'll be like. I just hope there's a lot of people watching. Oh. Well, tonight. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But it keeps you, keeps you awake at night? So I do wake up most nights with nightmares. I don't know what I dream about a lot of the time, but they're nightmares. Really? And I don't know if it's the diffuser that I've bought recently. <laughs> Does it smell of patchouli? Yes. that'll be giving you... No, it's one of those ones that's got a light in it, and it's got... sprays yeah. out lovely sort of steam. Yeah. It's supposed to relax me. But I can't do anything, I'm told. So it says, de-stress. And I stress. <laughs> it says, relax, and I won't relax. I won't be told. <laughs> yeah. What do you think happens when you die? I don't know. I have various mindsets about it all. And I do... And I know we live in a very kind of like, you're dead and that's it. But I do like to think there's something a bit beyond there. Yeah. Um, You know, it's such a waste, this personality. (laughs) It's got to go somewhere. Hard agree. I mean, even if they burn it, it will still come back. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, you reckon you'll keep recycling? I feel... I like that idea, yeah. And I like the idea of being somehow used in some sort of um, uh, 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 composting arrangement. Okay. I'd like to be spread on somebody's allotment and then develop into a lovely, lovely bunch of tomatoes. You want to come back as shit? <laughs> I want, no, I want to come back. No, but they, they put ash on... Oh, your, your dead body. Not like just my dead body thrown just on an thrown allotment. thrown on some soil and someone plants some tomatoes Please, in Please, this isn't that Brenda Blethyn one. What's it called? Vera. That's the sort of thing that happens. TV. I know my ITV3 crime dramas. <laughs> <laughs> Mum has them on all the time during the day. She doesn't like to watch television in the day, but sometimes I see it in the afternoon. You know, you know it's on when you see an advert for one of those chairs that makes you stand up. <laughs> and a company that will come around and clean your conservatory. 
yeah. That's when you know you're watching ITV three or four. Is that the murders? Three or four. ITV Where's the informational four. heckler? Four. Oh, it's four. Oh, thank you. It's four, four. isn't it? It's so difficult to find those channels. Why don't they put them all next to each other? Do you know what I mean? Like you're going through just trying to find your ITV4 and somehow you're looking at like Babe Station or something. That happens to me a lot. That is true. That That is fair. It doesn't happen to me. I mean, imagine if I phoned up. Oh, there's poor babes. (laughs) It's me. It's Tom Allen from the telly. Oh, God, Uh, sit down, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You want to put a jacket on, he talks for ages, you'll catch your death. Anyway, Brent, what do you want so, to talk about? Well, so there is a heaven. Oh, great. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Everyone is obsessed with you. Oh. They, they want to talk to you for hours. They never walk away. Uh, sounds like but, blue water. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they want to know about your life through the medium of film. And oh. the first thing they ask you mm. is, what is the first film that you remember seeing? Well... It's an interesting question. I mean, I have vague recollections. Like, if ever you go and see a therapist or anything, they always go, what's your first memory? And I always go, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. you're not, when you're a child, you're not keeping a diary. When you're, th- even me as a three-year-old wasn't preparing for a memoir. <laughs> but I have a vague recollection of being taken to Beckenham. I think it was the ABC cinema at that point, when it's mm-hmm. now an Odeon. Um, you say, mm, you've never been to Beckenham. And, um, I've been to Beckenham. Have you, Brett? When? I think I've been to the Odeon in Beckenham. Really? I have a friend. He's called Guy Brickley. Shout out to Guy Brickley. He lives in Beckenham. Guy Brickley lives in Beckenham? Guy Brickley from Beckenham. What is he? We went to the Odeon, Beckenham. What does he do? I don't know. <laughs> this is where I my might, story falls apart. I might uh, know, but I don't think I do. Anyway, yeah. on the roundabout, there's a war memorial, and that's where the ABC Beckenham is. And I was taken there um, as a child to see a film called The Fox and the Hound. And I don't really remember that much about it. Um, only in cinemas this summer. But then I, I have looked it up since, and I think it came out in 1980. 81. Well, I wasn't born until 83, so that bit of, <laughs> that bit of marketing's bullshit. Only, it says only in cinemas this summer on the poster. And they changed their mind, didn't they? They changed their mind. They knew what a lucrative thing it was. Walt Disney knew the Fox and the Hound was good. And I remember, well, yeah, I think it's a nice story about people getting along. It has uh, the fastest parental death in a Disney film. I watched it this morning to check it over. Yes. The parent is dead, but even before the opening credits have ended... The opening credits are going, it's like, Disney. And you think, well, someone's going to die, a parent, obviously, but I'll prepare myself. No time. Because before you even get to written by, gunshot, little, little <gasps> fox comes up. You're like, what the fuck? I haven't even, really? I haven't even sat down. Really? They're obsessed with killing parents. When was the and this last... time they were just like, oh, forget it, we'll get to it. You know what's going to happen. Bang. Welcome. Oh, Here's a my film. goodness. Imagine if Up had started like that. It sort of did. Yeah, it kind of did, didn't it? But it was still a bit more. But they gave you a little. Yeah, you grew to love the man. But, um, oh, that's that's very harrowing. I mean, I do remember crying quite a lot during it and feeling an odd sense of misery. Um, It's a lot like a lot of children's films are. Yeah. Um, I always think about The Snowman. Like, like, do you remember? Like, you were made to watch it as this, like, fabulous, like, oh, you must watch The Snowman, it's so beautiful. And it's basically about, like, in America, they had films where, you know, there were, like, Christmas trees dancing and singing and everybody's having a great time. They had The Snowman, which is about a little boy who makes, who seems to live completely in solitary confinement. (laughs) 
and is allowed out on this one day when it snows. He's so excited, he builds, he makes a friend with a snowman. It's this amazing experience. They go out, they fly. It's a wonderful time. Yeah. Goes to bed, he wakes up in the morning, goes down to see his friend, and his friend has melted to death. Yeah. And all that's left of him is, is his nose. Yeah. In some barbaric, torturous way. Yeah. Melted to death. Imagine finding a friend and they were just a puddle. And He's the, a little boy. Oh, the house is already cold enough. He has to wear a dressing gown. <laughs> and there's all that like haunting flute music, like they used to have in set, like horrible, awful. Seventies. You know what were these people making these cartoons? In Britain, our kids' film is Kez. <laughs> where a fucking uh, uh, boy's beloved bird gets st- stuffed in a bin the end by his brutal brother yeah yeah here you go it's in the bin that's your hopes and dreams good night <laughs> awful it really is awful the geezer who made the snowman he made a film called when the wind blows you ever seen that fuck oh, no him. i've got a feeling that's not cheering Lovely Scott. couple, sweet couple, who were like, come on, dear, let's put the kettle on. A nuclear bomb. <laughs> a nuclear bomb goes off in the background, they're, and then for the whole film, they're going, oh, we'll put the kettle on, and they're slowly dying of radiation poisoning. And in the end, and it's like an hour and a half, and they're getting sort of purpler, and then and they go, oh, put the, we'll put the kettle on, and they're going, oh, I'm a bit tired, I'm tired. That's the film. And can you imagine they were like, oh, the guy who made this film, you know what we should get him to do next? <laughs> a children's film. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Cartoon. Horrible. Cartoon. Yeah, make it, I'll make it animated for kids. Yeah. Nuclear war. That's oh, what the kids are into. That's what they love. That's why I didn't think of that, of cares. It's so, so, it's so gloomy, isn't it? Oh, horrible. Horrible. Ugh. Horrible. No, thank you. Oh, no. Uh, are you thank an you, only child? No, I have a brother. Is your brother older or uh, younger? Older or sister? Older or a sister? <laughs> I literally said that. Is your brother older or a sister? Choose one. <laughs> if he's younger, he's not in the game. Uh, frustratingly for you, he is younger. But uh, I don't know his answer. Um, yeah, he's younger. Yeah. Yeah. But he's about four and a half years. Well, so it's quite. Hmm? Are you close? Yeah, we are. Yeah, oh, close. But we're quite different. I mean, mm. to be fair, no one's really like me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, he's normal. He's a normal person. Okay. Um, but by the time by the time he came along, like the films have got a bit more fun. So you could watch like The Lion King, whereas you know you'd go to I don't know we didn't. So this you went on your own, yeah, with your parents. No, with my grandparents, I think. Yeah. Oh. And um, I remember it being a treat. One of those treats that I think grandparents want you to enjoy, and then you get there, and then it's sort of frustrating for them because you're crying and, yeah. and they don't know why. <laughs> and I guess because I've probably just watched. The, the main now. character's mum be shot to death. Um, but uh, still, uh, I, I, yeah, I do remember it vaguely being in the Beckenham Odeon. Uh, what is the film that scared you the most? Well, do you know what? I, as a sort of, I don't know how old I was, about nine or ten. It was Saturday night. I was watching the television with my dad. And this film came on and my dad was like, oh, you should watch this. It's a film called Midnight Express. Gorgeous film. Gorgeous Lovely film for children. Film. It's a, if you don't know what it is, bear in mind, I'm quite naive about the world at this time because I'm fucking nine years old. <laughs> and, like, the main thing is, like, oh, Monday night, I've got to go to Cubs. Like, <laughs> it was like my dad went, you think that's tough? What about if you were locked up in a Turkish prison? <laughs> 
and it's about a man who's an American tourist who goes to Turkey on holiday, and um, he buys some hashish, as I believe, as I believe it's called in the film, yeah. and he tries to smuggle it back to America. And he thinks he's get a, got away with it. And he's in two minds about whether to, he straps it to himself. He's in two minds whether he's going to get away with it or not. He's really scared. But then he goes to do it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I don't care. And he, gets, and he goes through customs and it's scary. And he gets through. And then he gets to the air, to the gate. And he gets through and it's fine. Then he goes to get on the aeroplane. And the police, for some reason, are there. And they stop him and they search him. And he's got it on him. They drag him away to a cell mm-hmm. where um, he's then immediately taken to court and seemingly immediately convicted of this crime, and to make an example of him as a foreign tourist, they lock him up in jail for an indefinite amount of time. And on the first night there, he's dragged by the guards to the basement and mercilessly beaten up. Uh, And he comes back covered in blood. And I was nine fucking years old. (laughs) And then, what happened is, and the story, it's a remarkable true story. This Mm. guy's locked up in 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 a Turkish prison. And and the story's remarkable because he, they talk, John Hurt is in the film, um, and um, they talk about, uh, he says that there's this thing called the Midnight Express, and he's like, what's the Midnight Express? It's like, it's this train that, uh, is, it, that takes you out of here. It's the way to escape out of here. And that's the end of the film. But what happened was, I watched it about halfway through, and my mum walked in and went, what's this? And my dad went, oh, it's this film, Midnight Express. And I was like, what? Why is he watching this? And my dad went, oh, I thought it'd be good for him. Absolutely not. Switched it off, sent me to bed. So all I thought the film was about, a man who goes to prison gets beaten up mercilessly by the guards, and that's it. Fucking hell. And I've never been back to Turkey. And also what's annoying is then I watched it in later life, and there's guys fucking. Yeah, you missed all that. I missed all the guys shagging. Yeah. Because he's there for so long, he does a yoga class with this other guy. I mean, I say a class. But um, (laughs) this guy starts doing yoga with him, and they get so in sync... One thing leads to another. We've As all been to Vikram. <laughs> they end up shagging. And then that's a beautiful moment of tenderness in the film. I didn't even get to see that. Saw nothing. Yeah. Miserable. So it really scared me. Because it showed me how violent the world is. Even now I don't really like violence in films. Some people love it, don't they? No, I'm not a fan. They like, what was that one? Someone like. Someone like the famous one. What's his name? Okay. Um... Brad. I think it, Brad Pitt directed it. Did Brad Pitt direct a film? No. Did he not do one? Okay, this narrows it down. Go on. Somebody of Brad Pitt's ilk directed a film, and it was about, like, the mafia or something. And it was so violent. And a man... There was, like, lots of beating up, but they left on loads of sound effects. A man got his head, head slammed in a car door. Yeah. And they, like, left on the sound effects of the door slamming into the man's head. And people are like, oh, I loved it. Wasn't it great? And I just thought, why is that nice entertainment? Mm. Go and see a musical. Do you know what uh, the man who directed this also directed? No, not The Snowman. Bugsy Malone. <laughs> What? Maxine Malone and fame and the commitments. That's, That's your boy. That is peculiar, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So there was clearly a penchant at that, at that time to go, oh, you've made a horribly violent, yeah. depressing film. Went, what if I do, do it with kids? Could you do it with kids? For kids, maybe? Yeah. yeah, put some songs in if you want. It's a very disturbing film. Uh, little fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at uh, little school... I was in Bugsy Malone, and I played Fat Sam's wife. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was my first taste of the good stuff. Because uh, I had a line as I walked out of Fat Sam's house, I went, Bye, sweetie! <laughs> and everyone clapped, and I thought, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be Fat Sam's wife. <laughs> and in a way... Here we are. <laughs> wow. Uh, do you like being scared? 
Um, I do quite like it. I think it's quite close to, I think you've said this before on your podcast, but it's yeah. quite close to comedy. Like that feeling of like, oh, are we going to respond? I mean, yeah. maybe you, I don't know if that's true. But I, I feel like it's like a, it's a very guttural response, which is quite fun. It's quite cathartic. Speaking of that, mm? what's the film that made you cry the most? I mean, you really start on the, like, uppers, don't you, yeah. Brad? Um, this was a film. Somebody bought me this as a birthday present. They said, it's amazing, you've got to see it. Bought it for me as a birthday present. It's the film Dancer in the Dark. Do you Have know- you seen this? Have you- if you haven't seen it, I genuinely would say to you, do not watch it. <laughs> you know, I know this is all about, like, oh, you must see that film, you must see this film. It... I want to say it's the worst film I've ever seen. It's not a bad film in any way. It's the worst experience I've ever had of watching a film. Yeah. In that, I've, do, do I, am I supposed to tell the story? I think you're saving people from it. So, yeah, you can tell. So, Bjork's in it. Great. She's written all these songs to go in it. So, it's kind of a musical. But it's not. Because she's going blind. <laughs> and her son is going blind. And she's moved to Denmark from, I can't remember where. She's, she's there with her son. Her son is, has also got this going blindness disease, right? That's what blind. they call it. In That's the what film. they call it. That's the day. The doctor I says, oh, you've got that Danish going blindness again. disease. Sorry. Going blind is, It's never really discussed. Yeah. Going blind disease. So she's working in this miserable factory, which has a really percussive um, rhythm with all the machines, which turns into a fabulous song. And, and then a train goes past, then you're like, I love this. This is brilliant. So she's saving up to pay for an operation. She can't afford it for herself, but she's paying for it for her son, so he doesn't get the going blindness. <laughs> yeah. But then she, her landlord comes in and... and I mean, it is very bleak. I'm sorry, I'm going, shall, I tell, shall I describe it all? Well, yeah, but I mean, at pace. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I'm basically going at the speed of the last one Trier film, I realise. It's two and a half hours. We don't need... It's two and a half... Do you know what? I got halfway through it and I was like, well, I've got to watch it until something happy happens. Then I can stop watching it for a bit. Nothing better happens. Bearing in mind, it starts with her and her son going blind and it gets worse from there. <laughs> it's like what... I, I skimmed it again this morning. Oh, and, and I Brett, decided why? Because I couldn't... It's my memory terrible. of it was like, this film is, is horrendous. And then I watched it and I was like, this film's mental that it happened. Like, it's like watching... I don't know if you feel this same way. If I ever see a kid, a little kid who's, who's chubby and has glasses and they're broken and he has, like, plasters random... Do you start playing... I love, you start singing Fat Sam's Wife's songs? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, will, I will love that kid with all my heart and I'll cry on the way home thinking about that kid. This film is like that kid being kicked to death <laughs> for two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, how it's it gets unbelievable. you. How it gets you is amazing. Mainly through song. But it gets you, and then it just drags you down. And Catherine Deneuve is in it. Yeah. She's fabulous. And she always looks glamorous. You know, she's one of those people that your mum would go, you know, she always looks the same, she never gets any older. And she works in a factory, which is totally unbelievable, because she looks like she's, like, you know, on, mm. in the south of France on a yacht at all times. She's Catherine fucking Deneuve. Yeah. But for some reason, she's working in a factory in Denmark, and she's this, this, going, this going blind woman's only friend. She's the only friend... Bearing in mind, so just to cut to the end, smash cut to the end, she's there at the hanging. And, and yeah. the, the end is Bjork singing a song, like a sort of torch song, as a noose is put around her neck. And it, it, the film ends with the, the thing being kicked and her plummeting to her death mid-song. While, you know what happens at that same time? Yeah. The little boy's glasses fall on the floor. The little boy's glasses fall off. It, don't watch it. 
Don't, I mean, I've made it actually sound like a charming <laughs> Saturday morning cartoon, the way I've described it. It is so upsetting. Yeah. It's so upsetting. It's the worst film you'll ever watch. Yeah. Don't watch it on your own. I watched it on my own on a laptop when I was living in near Houston. Long story. Anyway, but then... <laughs> Any m bla- What? Any m There was m at Houston Station we used to go to. Lovely. Oh, Still there? nightmare. Yeah, yeah that'll, great, that'll endure. <laughs> the Simply Foods are going to endure. It's going to be fine. But, come on. The people, the people would revolt. <laughs> if you can't get a chicken mayonnaise sandwich. I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I'm vegan. But... Uh, <laughs> have you seen my shoes? Yeah. Horrible film. Yeah. Horrible. A bit... I was torn between saying that one and Requiem for a Dream. You know that one? Yeah, I love that I, one. I got that out of the library while my aunt was over from Australia. I said, this sounds like a beautiful film. I thought it'd be a period drama. <laughs> Have you seen it? I, I love it. I love it, yeah. When she's... Like, the mum yeah. has taken swimming... Tub. She's a speed addict. She's yeah. been taken to a, 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 a mental yeah. a hospital in distant New York where she's being electrocuted yeah. whilst her, one of her son's best friends has his arm chopped off. Yeah. The other one is sent to prison forever and his girlfriend is now a, a sex worker with all these people's flashing torches in her face and it yeah. smashes between all of them. Yeah. It, I mean, Auntie Pearl did not enjoy it. <laughs> I think it's a happy ending. Because well, you go, well, unlike Dance from the Dark, you go... It can't get any worse. Like, they're all going to get better from here. Whereas Dives uh, in the Dark, you go, no, that kid's still going blind. The kid's going blind, she's dead. See you later. Yeah. Do you any like crying? Wo- do I like... Crying? Crying? Um, yeah. uh, sorry, I thought you said, do you like crime? Do you like crime? I was like, no. <laughs> uh, are you mugging me? <laughs> Very elaborate way of doing it. I do like crying. I do it on planes. Yes. Cabin crew think I am a mess yes. because I'm drunk. And <laughs> I watched The Greatest Showman for the first time when I went to Mexico. Love. And um, I uh, really, really great, but great for crying at. Yes. He's got the theatre. He loses the theatre. Like when you're on a plane, everything is so emotional. Yeah. And then you watch it on, on the ground and you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> uh, right. What is the film? That is meant to be bad, but you love it unashamedly. Well, I think it's not bad, but it was bad in the way that I watched it. Okay. I watched it incessantly as a teenager, and the film is Mary Poppins. Right. That it's, is it's, not bad. It's not a bad film, but it's bad if you're watching it over and over again, and you're 17, 18 years old, and all your friends are getting ready to go to university. <laughs> and you're just obsessed with every moment of George mm. Banks's life. Yeah. Jane and Michael Banks. It's every... I mean, I watched it so much. Every time I go past um, St. Paul's now, I have to yeah. think of it. You have to chuck some, buy some crumbs. I have to throw some crumbs at some... Yeah, some poor woman actually wasn't a bag lady at all. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> this poor lady just having a lunch. Here you go, dear. Tuppence. Here's what um, stresses me out about Mary Poppins, mm. is that... The lesson is, Mr. Banks, he works too much, he's missing out on his kids. And at the end of the film, he goes, I'm out! And he, and he quits, and then he goes to fly a kite with his kids, and then someone from the bank comes along and goes, oh, great job yesterday, have a promotion. Yeah. He sucks right back in to the machine yeah. at the end. He has one day off. <laughs> That's right, it. Brett? I never thought of that. It's fucking tragic. <laughs> but you know what, as well... Um, 
Let's as, go fly a kite just today because I'm back in the office tomorrow. Quickly, children. <laughs> but also what he's done is he's aided the... He's like, well, yes, and of course, he died. My father died last night. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, he died laughing. My <laughs> friend Jim's only got one leg. No. My, okay. my, my friend's only got one leg. He's called yeah. Jim. What's his other leg called? <laughs> What's the joke? I, can't I think remember. that's it. Um, my, my name's Smith. What leg? What? A wooden leg named Smith. What's his other leg called? Is that right? Yeah, well, you knew it. You didn't need me to tell it. What is this? It's not music hall, is it? Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's aided the death of the old man, hasn't he? Played by... He's killed a man, played by Dick Van Dyke. Played by Dick Van Dyke. And then he's, like, straight back in the machine. But yeah. I did always think, how's he going to support this family now? He's quit. I mean, good luck to him. Well, then but she's then pissed off, hasn't in. she? So he hasn't got that wage to worry about. Yeah, that's true. Oh, Mary Bob Poppins has jumped on her umbrella and yeah. fucked off right out of there, hasn't she? Yeah. Onto the next place, wherever she, wherever the wind takes her. Yeah. Um, I, I just love Julie Andrews in anything. Mm. I think I would love to see her in EastEnders. Oh. That'd be great. I would love that. She, she's, so everything she sings, she sings like she's, she's the only person who can get away with singing in an English accent. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if she's, I don't know, sang something. I don't know, I'm trying to think of a rude song she could sing. Um, if you want to be my lover <laughs> that would be her in the Spice Girls that's lovely she can't sing now can she uh, Tom Allen mm. all around the cathedral and also I loved uh, Finding Mr. Banks I love that film it was Saving Mr. Banks Saving yeah Saving Mr. Banks what yeah. am I thinking of Finding Finding Nemo Finding Nemo <laughs> Saving Mr. Nemo Saving uh, Mr. Nemo Oh, I love it. And then it. what was that about Private Ryan? Uh, saving Private There's a lot of saving going on. There's a lot fair. of saving, isn't yeah. there? Confusing. Finding Private Ryan. <laughs> what is the film that you loved years ago? You loved it. Oh. But you've watched it recently and you've gone, ah, oh, nuts. Well, as a child, I loved carry-on films. Yeah. And I would love to watch, I'd love them. And mainly because I really loved Kenneth Williams, which is weird to say as a child, but I really like, identified with him. <laughs> this is outside. And I loved, I, I loved, I didn't know, I just loved all the carry and I loved the kind of dynamic of their world. I never really liked the one, the scenes where it was Sid James. Anyway, there was a carry-on film on the other day, on Bank Holiday, and it was carry-on camping. Yeah. And I remember it just being very silly and just mainly Kenneth Williams' facial expressions. It is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Williams' facial expressions are fine. The wider <laughs> context of the film yeah. is absolutely appalling. And it's um, mainly the Sid James character. And the way, like, when he's dating Joan Sims, who, even though, I don't know what age they are in real life, but they see, like, a marked age difference there. And he's like, go round to, to her mum's house because they're going to go away camping. And she, the mum's going, oh, take care out there. Remember, you've got to chill on your kidneys. You have, oh, mum, don't worry about me. And then it's just all just sort of this disgusting old man mm. taking away this, like, I don't know, like somebody who's clearly a lot younger than him to a camping trip. It's just all just sort of like what must have been like quite, I don't, I don't know, was it back then seen as just sort of saucy, but now it's just like repugnant. Yeah. <laughs> And he's got a proper day. It's a fucking nightmare. Like someone you'd see, like, propping up a Weatherspoons. <laughs> really, but vile. Like, really made my skin crawl. 
And I suppose, like I said, I, as a kid, I'd always enjoyed, and mainly I'd like the, the doctor's ones, because um, I thought they were just funny, just sort of a funnier context, I think, because there's more space for status, which I've always enjoyed, the kind of status game of, of, of someone like Kenneth Williams being trying to be high status and having it undermined, and Hattie Jakes, and just being Hattie Jakes. And, um, and, and I liked that. Even as a kid, I think I've really, you know, you sort of zone in on things. But, um, but yeah, just watching that one, which is sort of seen as one of their classic ones, I just thought, oh, God, somebody, at least do an edit on it. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. It would know. be about three minutes, though, I think, the carry-on Yeah, I think the problem is, yeah, maybe that, that was, I haven't seen any of them for ages, but maybe they're all, I think, I feel like carry-on screaming isn't as much like that. I don't know, are there any carry-on film fans here? Carry-on screaming, is that all right? Yeah. No, someone goes, no, no, it's not, it's probably not, is it? It's a bit better. That one is awful, right? I mean, are you, sorry, you might not, I don't know what you think, but I thought that was a bit frightening. We're a nation divided. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was a bit of a heavy one. That's all right. Down, oh, I may as, you may as well have just booked Nish again. Unbelievable. Oh. Right. What is the film that has the most meaning to you, not because the film itself, but yeah. because of the experience you had around seeing it, which will always make it special to you, Tom Allen? Um, well, my mum snuck me into a 12 when I was only 10. Oh, yeah, I've had a pretty exciting life. <laughs> pretty renegade. I mean, it's a good job. I'm not lo- I should be locked up in that Turkish prison. Um, Were you wearing a suit? Did I, you make you wear a suit? I think I was, yeah. Um, it was going to see the film uh, Naked Gun Two and a Half. Lovely. And a classic of the genre. And um, we, big Zucker Brother fans uh, in our house. And, um, and uh, it's a 12, I believe. And uh, yeah. oh, it doesn't say it on that poster. And anyway... We had to sneak in, but it was fine. But it made me realise that I was better than everybody else. My, in my age group. Because I always thought I was older. I had a sort of older sense of humour. Yeah. As a kid, I always kind of enjoyed... Like, I'd get my mum to tape um, spitting image and things. Which I didn't understand. But I liked, I liked yeah. to think I was more superior to the other people in my class. And that proved it that even the cinema regarded me as older. I like that. Mm. Mm. So, uh, Naked Gun 2 and a half is uh, the thing O.J. Simpson is most famous for. Um, he's, he's, barely, he's barely in the second one. He's only in the first one. Richard Griffith is good, though. Oh, is that the one with him in it? Yeah. When he... Yeah, it's very silly. On the dance floor. With the spoof of George Bush. Oh, yeah. It's very silly. Oh, I love it. It's so silly. Sucker Brothers films are... It is Sucker Brothers, isn't it? That is correct. Yeah, it's um, just the pace of jokes, I think, is so impressive. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're at the part we've all been waiting for. Oh, um, no, not something about death Tom again. Tom Allen, what's the sexiest film you've ever seen? Look me in the eyes. What's the sexiest <laughs> film you've ever seen? <laughs> 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 it's, of course, Mary Poppins. <laughs> no, it is... It's a film called Priest. Love Priest. You've seen it? I've seen it. Priest is a film written by Jimmy McGovern, I believe, mm-hmm. made by the lady who also made Ravenous. Uh, didn't make a film again. She used to make Cracker. You're saying, this, you're saying this to me like, I you should know. be agreeing. I don't know, I just watch films. I don't go, ooh, tell me about their childhood. <laughs> the people who made it. Priest was Linus Roach. Linus is that Roach the one you fancy? Yeah. Hmm. They're both quite fanciful. Basically, I was about 13. Yeah. I was doing my maths homework, which came on a photocopied sheet that you had to fill in. And I was doing it, and it was Saturday night, and my nan was in the other room watching um, ITV. 
Uh, I didn't, even then. <laughs> and um, it was Channel 4, and they used to have a queer film night on. On a, on a Saturday night, every now and then. And this film called Priest came on, and I just had it on in the background. I didn't really think about it. So I was somewhere. And then I looked up, and lo and behold, there's one bloke lying there. There's another bloke lying on top of him. What? Having sex. Did I need to say that? Yeah. And, and I'd never seen that before. I didn't know that was a thing. Wow. And I mean, I'm, I'm probably about 11 or 12. Maybe I was about 11 or 12. And I didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, oh my God, this explains everything. <laughs> Now I don't have to be an actor. Oh, great. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, um, yeah, but it was... But the thing was... Um, I don't know if there are any other um, homosexuals here. Um, but when you're growing up, there was... Channel 4 would put on things occasionally, and you'd have to stay up really late. And I had an old black-and-white television in my room, which had been given to me by the neighbours. I wasn't allowed to... I wouldn't have been given a television in my room, but the neighbours were throwing one out, and so I took it. It was one that you had to tune in. It was very old television. And I'd watch things. If I knew there was a queer film season coming on Channel 4, I'd go to my room, put the television on, watch it in black and white with the sound turned down. For a lot of my early teens, I thought being gay was basically being in a silent black and white film. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was a piano that came in. (laughs) Um, And... And so, yeah, so I don't... Like, things like... Oh, and then the television series Queer as Folk came out. That, again, I watched in silence. (laughs) Um, But Priest was the... There was another one called The Way It Is... And it's about and, and it was about a bloke who meets somebody in Blackpool. A bloke from London meets somebody in Blackpool and they had sex on a rowing boat. Lovely. Tricky. Tricky. Tricky I mean, to do. Very tricky to do. Your core's gotta be very engaged. Well <laughs> he'd gone to the gym a lot, this guy. Okay. Which was rare in the eighties. People yeah. didn't know about the gym then. That's true. Mm. They were just hairy. They were just hairy. Yeah. They were just hairy, but this guy had been to the gym. And, but Priest, I remember... But the thing was, like, any gay film or any queer sort of representation, I found... She's not happy about it. Any queer... <laughs> We've I'm, had a walk listen, out, so. I don't mind Bjork going blind, but I will not <laughs> listen to something about a priest. <laughs> I'm drawing the line. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you asked if anyone was, uh, if there were any homosexuals here, and that woman went, "What? <laughs> and... What is this? I'm out of here." No. Um, and uh, that was so. It, but it was always something bad. Always happened. They always made in like the 80s and 90s, and people either got like beaten up to death or they, they died. They died. People just yes. died of them. So there was no like happy representation of like, oh, you could be a gay person, you could be happy. It was like, well, if you want to be gay, yeah, sure, go ahead. I mean, good luck. You've seen the films. <laughs> No one talks. It's no absolutely one, silent. No one talks. And you're done. There's no colour. There's no colour. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, um, very bleak. Here is uh, the subcategory uh, question. No. Um, <laughs> troubling, <laughs> troubling bonus, worrying why don't. Yep. A film you found arousing, but perhaps you shouldn't. You thought um, maybe you shouldn't. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> very safe. Not the candlestick. The... <laughs> or Chip. Chip would be more troubling. Chip would be very troubling. Or um, Angela Lansbury doing mm. the teapot. Mrs. Potsteer. Mrs. Potsteer. Oh, Chip. Come yeah. on, Chip. Get in, the, get in the fucking cupboard. <laughs> That's not one of Angela Lansbury's Mrs. Chip's lines. Get off, to the... be- off to bed with your Chip now. Off to bed with your Chip now. Get in the, get in the fucking... Get in the bag. How did... I remember it very well. How did Chip end up? Oh, I don't Chip know. always. So the the beast or the beauty? Beast. Until yeah. 
He turns back yes. into a man. Agreed. I, and I've, ever since, I've always had a thing for hairy guys. Oh, who sorry. locked me in castles. <laughs> um, you know in the um, live-action remake, reboot, re- remastered Oh, yeah, one, I didn't see it, yeah. At the end of it, this is a spoiler, but uh, I didn't like it. But at the end of it, he's turned into a, a human person. Yeah, Again, rubbish, yeah. less less attractive than the beast. And the message is, I'm assuming, looks don't matter. But then Emma Watson... Is it Emma Watson? Yeah. It's not based on her. Right. She's playing a character. Okay. It's very convincing. <laughs> Emma Watson says to him as they're dancing, do you reckon you could grow a beard? And I'm like, wow. That is, fu- that is a deep cut. <laughs> She's like, you've turned out of the beast and I'm less into this. Is that, so she's the yeah, same. Yeah, so the Disney film is like you. It's got a terrible message. But at least... <laughs> it's like you. It's got a terrible message. Yeah. Um, well, I did do, I did do it for um, a show I did. What? There's something about movies on Sky. Rob Beckett and I recreated... Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Who are you? Beast. Uh... He was Belle. And... And um, one thing led to another. One thing led to another. <laughs> now we're fucking. <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Uh, what is... Oh, it's, we've got... Right. What oh, sorry, is, I keep talking. No, I love it. What is... Uh, never stop. What is... The do you see film? what I mean? Imagine if at the end of this, you do actually stove my head in with a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> You set that up so early that you don't like it. You just want to keep talking. That he died as he lived right. in a callback. <laughs> what is the film you most related to? I didn't know what to say to this. Okay. Um, so I said, um, Fred Astaire in the film Top Hat. I'd say, that's you. Look For at no him. real reason. Other than, again, when I was a teenager, I watched Top Hat, yeah. Mary Poppins, and The Last Emperor quite a triumvirate if you think that's about it that's a fucking great it does explain a lot yeah um, but I really liked those films as a teenager Top Hat I just loved it I'd come in from sick form and like all my friends would be getting fingered and I would come in and I'd be like oh I'll just pop on 
I bet if Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And it was just sort of a lovely world of people being quite sweet to each other in a sort of, you know, people tap dancing in a hotel getting told off. Fred Astaire tap dancing in that film. It was repeated over Christmas. It's phenomenal to watch him. Like, it's amazing. He's like... He's like a sort of drum machine. He's so, it's so percussive to watch him. Um, and there's something about him, I don't know, there's just something th- that is quite, I mean, it's very asexual as well, which is very much my thing in my teens. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so uh, an asexual tap dancer was very much who I identified as in and my you've, teenage years. And I was, like I say, I was quite an unusual person. <laughs> and I think that has sustained. You've styled yourself on him. I totally see it. He's a, yeah, classy, but... he's a classy guy. He's a classy guy. And he, yeah. I think he was known as a nice person, I think, Fred Astaire. I think. Anybody know about Fred Astaire? No? No one. Where's the... Uh, Fred Astaire fans in? No, all dead. Anyone know um, Fred? Anyone know Fred? Tom Allen. Yes, sir. What is the film, objectively, Jesus. that is the greatest film of all time? Well, I know. I, people say Citizen Kane, don't they? Oh, have you seen it? It's rubbish. <laughs> so long and it turns out all this time he's going on about Rosebud which if anybody is a homosexual in here will know exactly what that means and it's a fisting term and oh thank you I wasn't going to sleep all the way during the film yeah he's going about this Rosebud turns out it's his fucking sledge mm. who cares but he's been sticking up his ass for the whole film so he's got all that money mm. and all he cares about is a sledge oh get over yourself you prick no, my favourite film, Amelie. What are your oh, thoughts on this? Gasps there, gasps. Yeah. Is it a bit... Is it a bit um, I think it's very interesting that you love it, and I, and I like that you do. It's a film that's sort of... It's the sort of film that everyone loved when it came out, and now everyone hates. But everyone did love it, but now everyone hates it. But not here. Is not here. It's too charming, right? She, she loves the sound of a creme brulee cracking. She sends a name around the world and takes pictures of it and sends them to her dad. <laughs> she keeps little things under the skirting board. She... She's so sweet. It's so sweet. So lovely. Yeah. So lovely. She's just this little lonely person. She helps the blind man across the road. Oh, pity be awkward, there. <laughs> and... uh, if Bjork had been there, she'd probably have thrown herself under a truck and dragged Amelie with her. That'd be the end, wouldn't it? Yeah. Catherine Deneuve would have been there. She speaks the language anyway. <laughs> um, uh, no, Amelie. Lovely hmm. film. What's, how could people not like it? She goes with no, the I guy who works at the fun fair and he puts the pictures together on the phone I think it's a film that only dogs can hear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the soundtrack the is so lovely. I used to listen to that a lot while I was doing my history A-level essays. God, I was so sad. <laughs> All the films I watched... Posting a very beautifully sad picture. Beautifully sad. I was yeah. a beautifully sad teenager. And I think I, like, I like the idea of people who are just these kind of lonely people who wander through the world trying to find connections. I like that. That is why I spend so long in Oliver Bonus. Don't get away. Oliver Bonus is my Emily. Yeah, and she works in that cafe, that lovely yeah. little cafe. And then she sets up the the woman who's miserable and the man who's miserable. Mm. They have sex and she has to put the cappuccino machine on to cover the noise on. Adorable. That's lovely. So adorable. I'm not going to take it away from you. It's lovely. But do people hate it? No. Some people didn't say anything yes. there. We know what Brett thinks about people who don't answer. 
What is the one film you could or have watched the most? North by Northwest. All right. If it comes on on a Sunday night, I love that film. Cary Grant, Eva St. Eve St. Marie, Eva St. Marie, Eve St. Marie, Eve St. Marie. Eva Marie Saint. <laughs> there you go. Um, and James James Mearson. Um, yes. Very important. And uh, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. And, uh, and what's weird about that poster... Sorry, this is an audio thing. But that's almost the exact poster for Vertigo. Yeah. That's weird. Anyway, um, I've never seen that poster of it before. It's usually him running from the plane coming down. That's yeah. the most used image from it. But it's about a man, again, who gets sucked out of his life. And is, he has the same name as somebody else, George Kaplan. And George Kaplan? George Kaplan, I think. And um, he's got the same name as somebody. And this criminal underground world, assume he's the criminal part of their gang. And he has to defend himself. Because I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not this person. Um, oh no, it's a, it's not, he's, it's a cross purpose anyway. It's not that he's, anyway, he gets his name confused. And they're like, we know you're lying. We know what your name is. And he can't escape it. And again, he has to get himself out of it. Yeah. And it's very glamorous and it's the 50s. And he has these lovely grey suits on. And the, just the, the tone of it all is so, it's so beautifully done. And even Marie Saint is so fabulous. And she's so, um, I don't know, such a, a, such a, a perfect femme fatale. And uh, they go on trains. And I don't know, there's something about it. Just to, I, again, it's, I, obviously it's a fantasy of the world. Because I'm sure in the 50s it was all, dog shit and um, you know just getting over the war and it was horrible but Cary Grant again I think is usually regarded as a nice man and that that um, Oscar speech have you watched that Oscar speech when he gets the Lifetime Achievement Award and Catherine Hepburn comes out and she presents it with him and she's wearing these sort of kimono pyjamas she looks very fabulous and she comes out and she presents the award and he comes out with his glasses and he must be about 85 years old and you still think oh I would definitely do him and he's so elegant. He's the epitome of elegance, I think, Cary Grant. He's very really You're very him person. and Fred Astaire. Well, that's a very, very generous thing to say, mm. which I will take. Okay. Um, but no, I love that film. And I don't, I don't know why it's just so intriguing, and I think it's a great... I like that Hitchcock. Vertigo I can watch again and again. Because I, every time I stop watching it, I forget what the fuck it's about. <laughs> So she is the same person, or she isn't. They're all dressed up as her. Why are they going to a bell tower? It's got nothing to do with heights. Did she fall off the height or not? What, why are they in San Francisco? Did you, and then in that film, yes. what's her name in, 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 um, in Vertigo? What's her name? Who's the friend? What's her name? The friend? Kim Novak. Kim Novak. No, no. Kim Novak. Kim Novak's not the friend, though, is she? Barbara. Barbara Bell Gibbets. She pours it. Bill, Bill Gibbets? Bel Geddes, sorry, Barbara Bel Geddes. This is uh, a fucking switched-on crowd. <laughs> isn't it nice? It's just like having a conversation with someone's nan. <laughs> What's she That's called? And um, at one point, she and I always think she fancies him in it. You know, it's always yeah, sort of, an untold story that she actually fancies him, and he's always obsessed with this this person who keeps yeah. putting on wigs. Anyway, she um, a bit like Fred Astaire. He wore a wig. Shh, did he? Secret. Yep, toupee the whole time. Yep. Looked like me. Looked like me when he took his wig off. That's how he got around. Anyway, um, <laughs> tap danced his way through the streets. People didn't bat an eyelid. Anyway, she pours a vodka tonic at one point. Have you seen how much vodka they used to drink back then? Yeah. She pours it up to the top. <laughs> and a dash, of, a dash of tonic in the top. No wonder he's got vertigo. No it's wonder he's got vertigo. <laughs> Bloody pissed all the time on those hills. Uh, anyway, north by northwest. Yes, yeah, great. Watch it. Vertigo's good. Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant. Yeah. Love bringing up baby. And I didn't know where to put it in this. I love bringing up baby. Have you seen it? 
this one woman just clapping and going, yes, yes, yes. Such a gorgeous screwball comedy. Catherine Hepburn. Why don't we talk about Catherine Hepburn more? You know, Why are people... we all talking about Catherine Hepburn every I would, day? I would have people talking about Catherine I would have a two minutes Catherine Hepburn every day yeah. if I was in charge. People put up Audrey Hepburn, don't they? Those stupid pictures of her with like, with like one diamond in the picture. Oh, I hate those people. You know the people who get an Audrey Hepburn picture printed on a canvas, they put it above the fireplace? Oh, I just think... <laughs> the worst, the worst. Put me in a Turkish prison and make me go blind. <laughs> Tom Allen, uh, what is the worst film you ever saw? La La Land. Bloody hell. People rioting, oh, people pleased. Oh, no. Um, I went to it with such high hopes. I think that's the problem. I was doing gigs in Birmingham, and I went to that trendy cinema in Birmingham, which is actually nice, but, oh, my God, does it attract a smug crowd. And, <laughs> and downstairs, they were doing um, Fifty Shades of Grey, so you can imagine it, you know, it's lots of people who look like your mum going in there. And I don't know what's going through their minds. I don't want to think about it. Upstairs, they were doing La La Land. I went in there... <laughs> And I thought, it's a musical. That's just what the world needs. We're having such troubled times. We're such divided times. Everybody's at each other's throats. A musical, that's what we need to bring us to brighten our days. I was hungover. I went in there looking for this to cheer me up. It, the first bit, I was like, dancing on cars. I'm in. I'm in. I like this. I like this. Yep, I'm there. What's going on? Oh, people seem to be in love. Okay, great. Okay, they're not, they're not going to meet immediately. Or they're going to a party. There's a, oh, it's a pool party. That sounds fun. I know what's going to happen in a pool party because I've seen a lot of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers films. <laughs> There's going to be synchronised swimming. <laughs> I watched that scene, which, by the way, is about four hours long. No fucking synchronised swimming. He's in some indie band and looking all mawkish in the corner. And then, as the whole thing... And then she goes to... The, then they go to the, 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 the planetarium. And that was shit. Hated that. Flying around. That was boring. I didn't care about that. And then, right, he finally gets a job. Starts earning a bit of money for himself. She stands in the, in the crowd with that, like, horrible expression on her face. Like, oh, you've really let yourself go. And he's like... He's getting to do what he wants to do. Like before, yeah. all he was doing was those whiny, like, da 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 da, da 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 da. Like, nobody wants to hear that dirge, right? And then, right, and then, and then, so, and then, so she hates him then. Yeah. Then she does, this is what pissed me off the most. Yeah. Right, she does one shitty fringe show yeah. in that theatre at the end. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And at the end, the light, have you ever been to a theatre where at the end they go bang and the lights come on? That's what happened in that theatre. And then she goes, oh, I guess that was shit. And she walks off, right? And then the next day, the film studio basically follow her home and go, uh, oh, no, we saw, the, we saw your shitty fringe play. <laughs> um, we want to make a film. We want to make a film with you. Oh, great. OK, what, what's it about? Oh, we don't know yet. We just want to make it about you. <laughs> oh, what do you want to do a film about? Oh, my aunt went to France once. What? <laughs> Who's going to go and see that piece of shit? <laughs> Unless it was Amélie Poulon. And then... <laughs> and then she's riding around in the Mercedes, thinking about him, living a new life with yeah. the bloke. And then he's got his jazz club, and we're all supposed to be sad about it. And I just thought that, that fringe show she did was shit. She did one fringe show. Yeah. Hollywood comes knocking. we got a part for you. What's the part? Whatever you want. 
life isn't like that. The weirdest part of it is at the end, she, get, she gets a job and they're madly in love. She gets a job and he goes, yeah, well, uh, we're going to have to break up then. And they're not goes, happy what? for each other at all. He goes, yeah, no, you've got to go to France and obviously we can't make this work if you're also having a job. Is that what he says? <laughs> no, but it's like, I'm so in love with you, but obviously you've now got a job and my respect for you has diminished. <laughs> Is and that what you happened? need to go and be an actor or whatever, and you know I'll just think long, lovingly of you. It's so odd. He literally goes, "Well, you got to go, haven't you? Forever to do a fucking job for a bit." <laughs> Very odd. Very odd film. Odd film. But all that stuff. But all that stuff with like how how easy sort of how, how easy, but yet they seem to make everything so difficult. And yet, if it had been a complete musical with loads of songs, people would have been like, "Yeah, but it's not like real life, is it?" And people wouldn't have watched it. And and the thing is. Yes. I can't remember what I was going to say. But, um, no, by that point, I got yeah. so bored by it, I was audibly sighing. Audibly sighing in that crappy little cinema. And I know it's all done out like it's Art Deco, I get it. But the seats aren't very comfortable. You know, yeah. it was the Depression. What did they have in the 1930s? But I was, there, were, there were couples all around me. I was the only person in there. Right, I went in to sit on the only single seat I could find, which was on the, on the end, and it didn't have a seat on it. And I didn't know that. And I went to sit on it and fell straight on the floor. <laughs> you can imagine it, can't you? Sunday afternoon, all these couples who hadn't been going out getting pissed out of their face the night before. Because what? They've got each other. <laughs> I went in there on my own to cheer myself up. <laughs> and these smug pricks sat there enjoying it. I, by the end, I was like... Because <laughs> there were about 12 times when it could have ended. Yeah. It could have ended so much sooner. Could have ended when they didn't do the synchronized swimming. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine Fred Astaire getting out of a Prius? No, thank you. Um, Tom Allen. What? Uh, not, that, <laughs> not that I'm worried about the time, but it's nearly midnight. What is, uh, what is the film that made you laugh the most? Airplane. Great. Yeah. I love it. Correct. It's my, friend's, my best friend's wedding, and she said, you can do a reading, you can do anything you like. I was like, oh, my aunt went to France. No, I didn't. And I, <laughs> and I went, um, and she said, you can write a poem, you can do a poem, whatever you like. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, she looks a bit like, uh, hi, I'm Randy, the air stewardess from it, and, um, who, does the, who takes the guitar off the nun. And um, we would watch it so much when, um, when we lived together, actually, at the same time when I watched Dancer in the Dark. Uh, she didn't watch it with me. She knew it was a bad idea. But um, we would watch that scene where she borrows the, the guitar off the nun and the nun goes, oh, poor child. And then she gets the guitar. And it's such a stupid joke where she just bangs it across the heads of everybody in the, in the aeroplane seats and goes to sit with this sickly child on a hospital bed at the front of the plane, which doesn't make sense. Because have you ever been on a plane where someone's just on a gurney at the front? <laughs> and then, as we all know, she knocks the drip out. Which is ridiculous. Knocking a saline drip out of someone's arm does not make them does not make their face shrivel up. But in the context of this, it does. And I did so for my friend's wedding. I merely, rather than doing a, re- I didn't tell her what it was until the day. I didn't do a, a reading or anything noble or that one about the dinosaur people like. Um, I did, I, or that one from Captain Corelli. Do you remember that when we thought oh, that was cool? Dear. Anyway, actually, I would I would read that again. Harrowing at the end. Anyway. I um, just read a series of quotes from the film Airplane. That's great. It went down really well, actually. A lot of people who together. Yeah, but people like elderly relatives who haven't seen the film were like, "What the hell is going on?" And I'm like, 
Joey, have you got any tattoos? And, 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 um, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous film. But I, I, love, I just love the joke count. I love how absurd it is. I love that, that um, spoof that America does so much, so well. I think Tina Fey is the natural heir to it, of that deadpan spoof where the world, the main character, is to- everybody's totally accepting of the madness in the world. And, uh, and, and yet uh, it becomes even more silly as the film goes on. But everyone's like, of course, this is what we've got to do. Of course we've got to land this plane. We're all counting on you. Love it. Yeah. Uh, do- We're in the, the Patreon section. The what section? The Patreon section. Doesn't it feel different? It feels moneyed, doesn't it? <laughs> it feels a bit, it feels a bit posher, doesn't it? It feels a bit more like everyone's chucking some money around. This is the Patreon section. For those of you who don't um, use it, uh, this is what it looks like. First thing that happens in the Patreon section, you tell a secret. Oh, that's now? Yeah. Oh, shit, I thought I had to the end. I've been trying to think of something the oh, whole no. time. That's why I've been talking for so long. <laughs> Just been running in your head. Yeah. I've never had a cup of tea. Is that... Fuck off. Yeah, normal builder's tea with milk. Never had a cup of tea. Shut up. That's the most shocking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> right, we need a circle of trust. That does not get out. <laughs> I worry for him. Serious? Yeah, I don't know why. I've never liked it. What? What? <laughs> what happened? I need it. You've never done it either? You've never had a hot drink. (laughs) Wow. Can I ask you, and I can't see you, and this is in no way a judgment, how old are you, please? 35. You're 35 years old. You've never had a hot liquid. (laughs) How has that happened? Really? What What? about soup? What about soup? They don't do hot drinks. That's like their thing. They're like, oh, come over, little thing about us. Uh, <laughs> you got a lot of room on your uh, work surface. What's, that? What's missing? Squash. That's lovely, isn't it? Have you I... had a lem sip? People are like, what? <laughs> oh, you got, oh, you haven't lived. <laughs> oh, you got to have a lem sip. Oh, I'm going to get you a lem sip at the end. You're going to fucking shit yourself. <laughs> Wow, extraordinary. Okay. Well, that blew all of our minds. Yeah, see? That wasn't bad, was it? No, really worth all that. Don't know why. Don't know why I've never done it. I'm going to force feed you a tea backstage. I won't. I think it's the tea bags. Tea bags on the side of the sink. I don't like it. You don't like the mess. That's fair. You can put it in the bin. You try telling that to people, they won't listen. (laughs) Why is the first film you saw that changed your view on something... Um, Whiplash. I really like that film. I saw it on a plane. I watch a lot of... I tend to watch films on planes because mm. I find in our, in our very distracted age, it's very difficult. It's quite an indulgence, I find, if I watch a film. Isn't that terrible? Mm. I took myself to see David Copperfield the other week. I really enjoyed yeah. it. But there were some children in the cinema and they were talking and I was getting so fucked off with them. Mm. And, um, and I didn't know what to do. And I was sat there watching and I thought, oh, they'll settle down when the film starts. The film started and they, they eventually did. And then... There was a bit of toing and froing, getting up and getting down. It's a group of them. And then I heard somebody's, somebody watching something on their phone. And out of what? nowhere, out of nowhere, I just went, Oi, shush! Because <laughs> I can be gruff when I need to be. And it worked. It worked. Well but, um, so I, but, I, but I, going to the cinema is such a, 
special thing. I rarely do it. And I always love it when I do it, but I don't do it as often as I should. Anyway, I, um, I saw Whiplash on the plane, and I, around about the same time I saw Birdman. Not Birdcage. I did enjoy that. But um, Birdman. Yeah. I thought that, was, thought that was all right. But Whiplash, I thought was great. Not, because, not just because it's got another bald man in it, but I thought it represented that idea of pressure and stress and being nervous about something. And someone... I, I thought it was amazing, that scene when he's going... When he's, when he's counting them in, and um, he's there. It's his first day on the drum. You, if you, you know it. You know it. It's about a film about a drum. guy who wants to be a drummer. He is a drummer. He goes to music college. He gets into the best music college. He's so psyched about it. Psyched. People say that in America, don't they? <laughs> he's excited, is what I mean. Psyched. What does that mean? I'm, like, well up for this. But why do Americans say it? They say it on their podcast, don't they, in America? Yeah. America loves podcasts. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's super psyched about it, and he goes to this college, and he's brilliant. He's sort of got a slightly nervous disposition, and he goes to count the... He's the, the great teacher. It's very frightening. He goes to count him in, and with the drums, and he comes in, he goes, no, start again, you're not doing it right. And then he does it again and again. And it was so uncomfortable. And I was like, I remember things like that. You know, when you're a kid and you just can't, you don't know, you, it happens into adulthood as well, of just going, I don't have the language to express. I'm so vulnerable, I'm so nervous. There's so much energy behind this. I want to get this right so much. It's actually tipping me over to being shit. <laughs> like it's, yeah. And, the, and it, you, the way he sort of talks to him as though like, you're not trying hard enough. That's not why you're not good enough. And he's like, I'm trying extra. And that's why I'm going full circle and going back around to the bottom. And, it's, and I, the way it represented that pressure and that, that, um, that unhappiness that comes with that, or that sort of stress, I thought was really brilliant. And it really, um, it, whenever I've felt that, I've always thought, oh, I, I'm the only person who does it, which I suppose is the nature of um, stress. <laughs> or, or, or maybe... Do you, do you know uh, what film that director made next? Um, La La Land. He never check things like that. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he made La La Land. L.A. L.A. Land? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What happened? Well, they're both about, like, work is more important than a relationship. And then he made First Man, which is also about work is more important. I mean, the guy, the guy has a girlfriend, but... I'm but she barely like, sees him. Yeah. She's um, never around. She just pops in for an Oscar and then goes. That's interesting. Yeah. Um... Do you know what I think he's good at? I think he's good at doing the drums, but I don't think he's do- good at doing the full score. The full what? Score. Score? The musical score. Oh, I see. No, it's sort of a music joke, don't worry about it. <laughs> what is the best opening sequence to a film? I wasn't sure what to put, so I put um, being there. So I say put. He does give you a bit of a heads up on this. You can cut that out, though, right? Oh, no, it's going out live. Um, uh, being there. Hal Ashby film. Love that film. I did learn the director on that one because I thought I should know some directors. Quite a uh, sort so of spoiler of in the poster. For those of you who've seen it. Um, yeah, but if you saw that, you wouldn't think that's what's going to happen. Right at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I love that. It all makes the hairs on the back film. of my neck stand up. Um, it's a film about... Uh, we're not talking generally about films, but it's a, if you haven't seen it, it's really great... I, made in the, I think, 1980, I think it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just like its sort of pace. And it's sort of quiet. It's about a man who basically has been cooped up uh, in a big house, working in a garden since he was a child. And then the, his, his family and parents die. And the old man who owns the house dies. And so he's suddenly sent out into the world for the first time when he's about 35. And he's never been out before. And he immediately gets run over by Shirley MacLaine. Which is my dream. <laughs> 
and then he just he's just he just talks no in an unaccented way in an un yeah tampered with way and he's very honest and people find it very profound and that's basically the film really it's yeah. just there being there um, but the opening is when you see you sort of intrigued by it he's just sort of he's just getting out of bed and there's lots of plants everywhere and then it just reveals that his whole life has crumbled that's I quite liked it at the beginning it's a great film it's got I tell you what it's a really like arty slow subtle interesting film and then it's got a gag reel in the credits yeah bloopers reel so weird like, but, it's like putting like a gag reel at the end of Schindler's List like like all the extras in the gas chamber like, oh sorry I tripped over and like, like that's weird that seemed like an odd choice anyway uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but you know Peter, the, I, don't, I think yes. this is true Peter Sellers did not want that he died before it came out right but he did not want any of that to be included oh right yeah because he was desperate as that sort of way of a lot of comedians to be treated to actually be taken seriously he um he would have been he was finally his moment to shine and he is very good in it yeah um I agree with him but uh but I think he would have been yeah very angry about that I think he got a posthumous Oscar for that or nomination um but Hal Ashby as well made Harold and Maud which is also one of my favourites what is the best closing scene in a film? Brief Encounter. Oh. David Lean, classic, written by Noel Coward, screenplay by Noel Coward. Um, Celia Johnson, about the, the, in the war, so it was set in the late 30s, but it came out in 1942, I think. Um, black and white film, so I assumed it was gay. And <laughs> it was, and it's about, if you do, I'm sure you all know your film buffs, but should I, do I need to explain it? Do you people explain what the films uh, are about? If, if, I mean, uh, quicker than you've explained any others, yes. <laughs> Look, I say that with love. <laughs> it's about a, a married woman falls in love with a bloke at a train station. And you can do it. That's great. <laughs> I can do it, but I don't always want to. <laughs> and uh, the closing scene is so moving because they're together. Mm. It, it's, it's, a circular, it's a circular edit or storyline in that... Um, the beginning starts with her telling it all retrospectively. Uh, and you're not quite sure who she's talking to. Um, but the end of the film is she's at the train station. She said goodbye. She's about to say goodbye to her lover. She has this last moment that you know you're building up to this big goodbye. And, um, and she's going to say goodbye to him and he's going to Africa to work, to do his research. He's a doctor. And, um, and, and, and she's about to go back to her suburban life. And... Um, and she's just about to have this moment which we've all been waiting for the whole film where they finally tell each other they love each other. And right when it's about to happen, this friend comes over and crashes into it. And the whole moment is destroyed. She goes, oh, Laura, what are you doing there? I saw you chatting to that charming man. And it's such an upbeat performance from the actress who, p- who plays the friend. And, she, and, and Celia Johnson has to do this kind of, oh, putting on appearances as people did. And it is actually, like, gut-wrenchingly sad yeah. in that way that actually something very... Upbeat can sometimes be very sad. I thought it was... I think it's... I uh, watched it again today, the end scene. The music is all by myself. Is the tune all by myself. You may as well put an Audrey Hepburn picture up on your wall right now. (laughs) (laughs) Rachmaninoff's uh, Piano Concerto Number 2. Yeah. Mariah Carey's... It's not called... (laughs) (laughs) All by myself. What I'm saying is Mariah Carey wrote the... Mariah Carey's going to be furious when she finds out. (laughs) It's a brief encounter. What a shocker. That's, that is the worst, that's the worst closing scene to any podcast I've ever experienced. Uh, um, Tom Allen. What? 
You've been uh, absolutely wonderful. Now, Thank before you. we go to the uh, audience, um, when you... Still here. Um, I'm sorry we've talked so long. When you were in uh, Oliver Bonus and the person behind Oliver the Oliver Bonus, am I right? I love it so much. <laughs> and the person behind the till was originally a fan, uh, mm. but you, you stayed for so long that her love for you diminished <laughs> uh, over the day. She was like, I have to, I have to close up. And you mm. were still uh, uh, talking to her and just trying to explain one film. And, uh, and she, she got so frustrated, she picked up a patchouli-scented <laughs> candle and she stoved your head in, yeah. right? And then uh, she left. She, she locked up for the night and mm. she went away for the holidays. Mm. And uh, I came back a month later. I was, I was popping by. I thought, oh, I need some, uh, some throws. Yeah. Uh, need a so, box for your rings. Yeah, and, I, and I've got... So, where am I going to put all my necklaces? I need a tree. So I went... Maybe a book by that Thomasina person who opened Oaxaca. I bet she's got yeah. a book in there. One of those books that's like one-line fucking drawing that costs 20 quid. Anyway, I go in there, mm. and I see you, and you've rotted. You're caught, you've, you've, the candle has melted into your head. Uh, your head is now three times the size it was it's when I last saw you. Uh, your body's half carpet, half man. So I'm having to like dig up the f- area around you. I'm having to cut you up. Into I think they've pits. actually got a linoleum floor, but okay. Well, that's coming too. Anyway, I've got this coffin. It's exactly Tom Allen's size, but there's more of you than I was planning. So I'm going to stuff you in. I have to stuff all of you in this coffin. Mm. There's only room in this coffin for one DVD that I can slip in this side. And you're going to take it to the other side. On the other side, it's movie night every night. One night, it's your movie night. Which film are you taking to show everyone on the other side? The Madness of King George. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean... We had a bet going. Uh, I don't think anyone's won it. Uh, Nigel... Farage. Farage. <laughs> Nigel Hawthorne. Yes. Sir Nigel Hawthorne. Helen Mirren. Their greatest moment. Madness of King George. Have you not seen it? I have seen it. I think it's phenomenal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm up there going, okay, it's nice to see something. What do you think it would be? I mean... Something gay. <laughs> what do you think I'd be like? Sound of music. Mamma Mia. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping for a good time. Now we've got to watch fucking Madness of King George. How can you say that? It flies no, listen, by. Listen, I was very young when I saw it and um, it might have been out of my depth. Maybe. Listen, I'm glad you brought it. It would be nice to revisit it. Listen, you won't be disappointed. Okay. It's got drama. Yeah. It's got costumes. It's got wigs. <laughs> I do like a wig. Okay. Um, now, before we do a quick bit with the audience, will you please give a round of applause to my absolutely incredible guest, Mr. Tom Allen. <laughs> wonderful. It was wonderful. All right. Uh, this evening has gone on lo- longer than it was meant Anybody to. Anybody wanted it to. Uh, <laughs> So what are people maybe we'll do scented candles out of their bags. If it's all right with you, we'll do about ten minutes of uh, stuff with you guys, if you would like. Does, does anyone want to tell us? There's a man mm, right in front. in front. Yeah. Um, oh, do, is there a mic? Oh, you're going to get a mic. Here you go. What's your I name? You were asking if there was somebody called Mike. In the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Tian. Um, I did want to originally talk about uh, me, myself, and Irene. 
But I feel like I have to say something in defence of La La Land now. Oh. Okay. Especially oh. as, was the, did you say you saw it in Birmingham? Yes, I did. Yeah, at the Electric Cinema. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was probably one of those smug pricks. The what? Were I, you there? I, probably. I saw it three times. Oh, my God. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Justin Hurwitz, the guy who composed the score. Oh, yeah. yeah. I quite like the score, yeah. You were sending shots for it Not, only about ten minutes ago, Tom. Yeah, I did a bit, didn't I? But I, did, <laughs> I, I liked it when he, did the, when he actually was in the band. That bit was good. Yeah. See, he's got nice things. John... What's his name? John Legend. John Legend. I think he gets a bit of a raw deal. Like, oh, we've got a part for you to play in this film. Um, you're basically the band that's a joke. <laughs> you're the sellout prick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about uh, Me, Myself and Irene, please? Of course I can. Me, Thank Myself you. and Irene is a film that holds somewhat of a special place in my heart because I used to watch it as a teenager with a good friend of mine who now lives in Australia. Yeah. Mm. And it may not be the best film in the world, but... My dang, did it crack me up when I was a kid. Like, I'd watch that film. I remember us two watching it in his bedroom for the first time. And uh, I was barely laughing. You were barely laughing? <laughs> <laughs> barely laughing. Oh, barely, oh, barely laughing. laughing. That's laughing. Oh. It's meant to be a comedy. I was barely laughing. <laughs> I'll never forget it. My friend and I watched it all the time. <laughs> barely laughed once. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, it's the same man who went to see La La Land three times. So it does yeah. actually add up. I hated it. I saw it three times. Uh, that is very nice. We have a round of applause for this man. Thank you very much. Anyone else want to share with the group? <laughs> Thank you for the one laugh. <laughs> Who we got? Um, it's, not, it's not like a real uh, film that means most to me, but when you were talking about Brief Encounter, I was just thinking um, the first time I heard about the end scene was in The History Boys, which is another great film. Oh, yes. And you know when they like reenact it, and the first time I heard that little boy, and he's like, I'd like to say it was the thought of you and the children that made me do it. And that was like the first time I'd ever heard it. And also, it was the first, when I watched When Harry Met Sally, it was the first time I heard the end of Casablanca. So ah. Oh. What was it? Say the line again. What was it? What was the line? <laughs> um, I think it's like, I'd like to say it was the thought of you and the children that made me do it. Oh, but we're just yes. not going to throw herself in front of the train. Yes. And then yeah. she's like, but I just couldn't bring myself. And then she just. <laughs> Round of applause for this. I feel like we're at like a, like a psychic show and we've just brought <laughs> Celia Johnson back. She's just coming speaking through. in tongues. I'm channeling Celia Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Take a bow. That was really good. Could anyone else do impressions? <laughs> that was really good. And. Anyone else want to share a, a story or impressions? There's somebody <laughs> over song? there. Anyone got a song? Someone's coming. Someone's coming. Someone's coming. Someone's coming. I can't see. Is anything happening? I, feel I like saw a hand up there. Was it a beer pump? Oh. Hi. Hey. Hello. 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 Uh, so the film means most to me is uh, The Royal Tenenbaums. Was oh, great film. Um, basically, when I was like, I'll, I'll summarise. When I was 13, 15, I was going through a rough time and I kind of realised, so me and him used to have a film night every Friday and I was really into Wes Anderson at the time and uh, The Royal Tenenbaums is one that we watched over and over and over again and, uh, yeah, it means a lot to me. So that's, that's beautiful. My, uh, the film means the most to me. Yeah. That was a really pure moment. That was, that was really lovely. Thank you. Uh, oh, there's a man here. Sorry, he's getting a workout. Hi guys, thank you very much. Hello. Hello. 
as um, stand-ups on stage all the time, there seems to be a lot of. It seems to be that there's a lot of um, films that are now being turned into, say, musical productions on stage. Yeah. How do you both feel about that? Like, it's a great I, question. I've, sort of, I've what? Sort of seen pretty worm various things that are obviously. Mm things we've grown up with that now seems to be changed. Well, I've noticed a trend in West End theatre of uh, films that weren't very successful being turned into musicals. And I always walk past a poster as if the marketing was like, remember that film you didn't go and see and you weren't interested in? Imagine it with songs. <laughs> it's weird, you're right. That's a very good... Uh, I, I think it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because uh, if you love a film, you can feel very protective of it if it's then reimagined or, you know, like people talking about um, the remake of Home Alone, for example, people are very much like, well, you can't remake it, we can't remake it. And I think it can feel very, it sort of uh, like it affects our own love of the, the film. But um, one really successful adaptation I saw of, of a film for stage was Brief Encounter. Did you see that oh, one? Yeah. Uh, with um, Knee High Theatre Company. Remade it, and it really felt like a genuine love letter to the film, and it sort of referenced it, and they had sort of 1930s adverts in the interval showing projected okay. films. It was very silly um, and funny, and it felt nice. But I think if you're trying to recreate it, there's something... I don't know, sometimes... Is that, is that Ness? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I once saw Singing in the Rain, which is the greatest film ever. I saw it... Yeah. Oh, that was your favourite. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, you don't know me. <laughs> oh. Have you seen the Steve Martin thing? What? What oh. Steve Martin thing? Rose Matafeo shared it on Instagram the other day. Yeah. There. Do you know Rose Matafeo? You should. Yeah. Um, uh, she shared it on Instagram. It's Steve Martin at like a dinner, I think an awards do. I'm not going to redo it. But he says... Should we get that woman who can do impressions to do it? Yeah, you can do it. Can you channel Steve Martin? <laughs> uh, the, uh, basically, he talks about as though he was on the set of the film, giving advice on how they should do it. They're like, we're trying to uh, do this dance number, but the, it keeps raining. <laughs> you know what? Leave, do it in the rain. Uh, Get this kid off the set. <laughs> uh, anyway, my point is, Singing in the Rain. Oh, yeah, sorry. Perfect film. Something. I'm sorry. No. I just talk all the time. But uh, I saw it live, saw it as a stage show. I was furious. No. Yeah, it's like, d- d- you're not meant to. That poor Leave tap it. dancer. Well, sure. I'm not saying they weren't like good at tap. It just felt inappropriate. <laughs> it was very problematic for me. It's American smooth, I think, isn't it? Mm. Thank you very much for your question. Round of applause for this, for this man. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe one more? I don't know if... Uh, someone over here said oh, they here. for a long time. I wonder if there's anyone in the balcony just to make this guy run. <laughs> oh, somebody uh, in the balcony got something. Oh, there oh. is someone right at the back of the balcony. Well, let, let's, should we have this man say... Oh, who's going to go first? Well, I've, I've got a microphone now. Oh, what's happening? Who's got the microphone? It's, speak. it's go down on. here. Go, go for it. Uh, it's less of a question. I thought it would be real fun. Can we spitball a few more ideas about gag reels at the end of serious films? I was thinking <laughs> yeah, maybe like Sophie's Choice, she forgets the line and just goes, just have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good idea. I, I, I've always thought there's something in it. Um, I mean, at the end of Dancer in the Dark, I would have loved to have oh, seen a blooper. Yeah. <laughs> Just be off forgetting her songs. Catherine Deneuve getting the giggles as she hangs. So, uh, <laughs> oh, silly, sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot my line again. <laughs> um, mm. We're out. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah. 
There's a, there's a, oh, there's someone here. Oh, there's a. Oh, no, she's just, she's come happened. back. Have you just arrived? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Here's what you missed. Okay. So. Well, I was back in uh, uh, university in Leicester, like, years ago, and um, I was in, in EDS studies class, and it was the last that I quite fancied. And um, uh, we, uh, we, she, I invited her back to my house one night for a, to watch a film, and I thought I'd show her a film from my home city of Sheffield. Yeah. Um, uh, but I didn't show her the full Monty. I showed her Threads. Instead. Oh my God! <laughs> What's that film? <laughs> Which is a film about a nuclear war that ends with a woman screaming because she's given birth to a mutated, mutated stillborn baby. <laughs> it's like uh, it when didn't go any further than that. Live it's like an upbeat where the wind blows. Yeah, yeah. You showed that to a girl to impress her. <laughs> how did it? How did it go down? Did you? Well, we did not end up doing anything else <laughs> ever again. Oh my what God. was your thinking? <laughs> Young and stupid. Here's a little, you know who, the man who directed Threads, directed Steve Martin in LA Story. One of my favourite films. No, really? True say. What, what, he went from Sheffield to Hollywood? Yeah. It can happen to you, baby. Uh, wow. Why did they make a full Monty in Hollywood? The full I don't Marty. know. The full Marjorie Jack. <laughs> uh, right. I think we're going to get kicked out. Do you, do you want one more? Anyone? Maybe one more? One, one, one more. I like that. That lady's very confident there. Thank you. It's what? happening. Oh, two more. Two more is oh, happening. Oh, one more person is shouting. No want... pressure. Okay. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I've just... Uh, when growing up in Australia, there was a lot of um, American and British films. And I know that Taika Waititi is in the press a lot at the moment. Yeah. But I've, I've got to say that Boy uh, was one of the biggest films to me that really hit home about kind of capturing growing up in the 80s and it was really phenomenal and uh, I would definitely say it was one of my favourites. Ah, that is lovely. That is also James Acaster's uh, film that means the most to him. You two should get married. (laughs) That's lovely. Round of applause for Boy, you should see that. Uh, There was one one more, was there? Yeah. (laughs) Someone is very keen. Oh, is there somebody here as well, desperate? One of the front. Oh, God. One of the front. Oh, okay. oh, it's getting out of hand. I wanted, I don't know if you ever made it to the end of Midnight Express. Did you get to the... Oh, great question. Um, do you I, know what I happens can, at the end I of Midnight give Express? You, people used to ask me for years, what's your favourite ending to a film? And I said, that one. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a really happy ending. It's great. You know, yeah. you've endured like 99% of the film and it's torture. Yeah. And they just, suddenly he's free and he just walks away. It's brilliant. So yeah. I recommend it's- it. It's and also second to that, my favourite film is Melancholia, which is... Amazing. Oh, my God. I love oh. it. It makes me feel good. You are a troubled really soul. Does make me feel good. <laughs> I've never seen That's the man who made uh, Dancer in the Dark, your favourite. The last one, Trier? Yeah. Oh. It's his film about depression. Uh, <laughs> Dancer in the Dark was his fun musical, so <laughs> you'll enjoy that. Thank you very much. Thank man. you. Uh, right. We, is that it? Is anyone going to be mad if they didn't say their thing? Are you all okay? Have we all had a nice time? I love it. At the end of the okay. evening, are you all okay? Are we all okay? <laughs> That's how I end. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I have loved this. You have been genuinely wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time and to come out of your houses in this state of everything going on. You would come here and be with us. Uh, I now have to finish the podcast officially. So here we go.
So that was the seventh live episode. Thank you so much to Tom Allen for being so excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you to Tom and Ben and Naughty Buddy and John Harris and everyone here at the Islington Town Hall. Thank you. Thanks to Streamius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network, to Buddy for editing this later and cutting out all the terrible things I said. Uh, <laughs> thanks to ACAS for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics, Lisa Lydon for the artwork, and most of all, thank you all for being here. Have a lovely week, and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.